Is that a good sign? Great, guys. I'm very excited for this. Thank you. Um, no, so even when Taryn was just sharing about her friends, which is going to be really exciting, by the way, when they come. I don't know about you, Jan and I often put up a room because they, they do all their, their, these prayer meetings and the time zones work quite well. As I get home from work, they're busy praying. So we put it on YouTube and it plays through and it's really beautiful. But I don't know, but most powerful ministry couples have lots of children. If you look at the Spooners, you look at these guys. So that's why I'm having so many children because maybe it will work one day when you just keep on going. So if you don't know me, I am Nick. There's my wife, Jan. She's pregnant with Joel, playing, he's 18 months and playing TV games, um, and the other two have now uh, run there. But I must say, you know, over the last, it's got nothing to do with what I want to share this morning, but I've really been thinking about this idea of, like, how, so how are we going to change this world? So how are we going to shift culture? How are we going to change it? How are we going to, uh, just want to send it to my mother, check. Um, how are we going to change this world? How are we going to shift the culture? And you know, and I, I'm all for prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers, fivefold ministry. We need all of that. We need guys in business. We need guys in the NGO space. We need people in all those different realms of society, spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-led, impacting society. So I'm not taking anything away from that. But the more and more I see this, the more and more I'm convinced that the, the, the most significant or one of the most significant ways we can influence society is actually by having whole healthy families. Um, and I was chatting to uh, a chap, Mark Slaughter, he runs the, the Glenwood, um, what's it called? Citygate Church. He runs Citygate Church and we were just chatting on Friday nights. Uh, he's got five kids, I've got four, so I was like, teach me, I'm very nervous, I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, one of his things that he said to me, which struck me so, so incredibly, was, you know, we are, we are on earth for, call it 90 years, give or take, maybe, some of us less, some of us more, but let's call it 90 years. That's the only time in eternity that we have to have children, to procreate. So if you think about it, my, my four kids, so three of them are out, one's still baking, but now, my three kids, let's say Malachi, for example, Malachi's turning six, you know, if I, he's, he's Malachi, if I didn't have him, Eternity wouldn't have him. Interesting thought, eh? So it's this idea of, well, if we can as, um, you know, go forth and multiply, and I'm, I'm not taking away, I know that there's struggles and people can't have children, there's things and there's stuff and there's wisdom and strategy. I'm not taking away any of that, but, you know, if we're going to influence this place, what a, what a wonderful way to do it, but with our own kids, eh? And the, one of those ways of doing it, and I've noticed this because I've come from one extreme and I've gone to the other. I've gone from, I don't need to go to church I can stay at home, and then we went on a journey of how that worked out, which it didn't, didn't work out too well, um, and now we're on this side where we pretty much, I come to as everything and anything, and I can tell you this much, coming to prayer meeting, coming to church, sending them to shine, whether they like it or not, um, it, makes, it makes a huge difference. I mean, I remember growing up in church, and my parents made me, you will stand up, and you will worship, and then people look at that, and they go, oh, you're forcing your kids into it, but uh, I feel like I've turned out uh, all right, so I just wanted to leave you with that little that little uh, that message but what I wanted to kind of share about this morning is you know we we can talk as a church and I'm going to walk around a bit so I'm going to put this here um, you know so we we can off it's easy to stand here if you're not nervous in front of people I enjoy speaking so I don't mind standing here but it's easy for me to stand here and say we're going to go to the nations guys we're going to go seed and salt we're going to go influence people we're going to go preach we're going to go teach we're going to cast out demons we're going to heal the sick we're going to go 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 and this is what we're going to do but I remember myself a couple years back when that was said to me, I got incredibly nervous. And I thought, okay, well, first of all, I don't know how I'm going to go to the nations. I could 
go overseas. So some of us here are going to go to the nations continuously. They're going to go, come back, go, come back. Some of you here will go to the nations and stay. The Lord will move you to a different place, a new home, a new culture, a new family, and you'll influence like that. Some of us aren't going to go to the nations, quite frankly speaking. Some of us are going to stay right here in Glenridge for the rest of our lives. So how are we going to actually influence the people around us in this space, in our sphere, going to work, schools, wherever it may be. And then some of us are going to be jumping around jobs and influencing people in our workplace. And, and so you can sit here and go, well, what, what do I take? What do I take with me? How do I influence these people? We're going to go to the nations for what? Just so we can go and you know, earn dollars instead of rands? That sounds like a lot of fun right now. Maybe go, go to Mozambique because I'm called to the people there. But if you don't know what you carry, that's going to make you incredibly nervous. If you don't know the power and the influence that you have as an individual in a right relationship with the king, you're not going to know what to do. And I was there because I didn't know what to do. Um, so that's what I want to share a little bit this morning is where and what do you carry? So when you get to where you're going and your God-given destiny, whatever it may be, if, you've, if you believe that maybe your destiny can't change and that's where you're going to be, I'm a little bit different. I think your future can look different depending on the choices and decisions that you make because we've been called to co-labor with him. What does co-labor mean? It means we work with him. We don't walk, work for him. It's different. So he values our input. He values the way we think, the way we do things. So if my future can look if my future's on this side and it can look a little bit different over here, this is where your prophetic words would sit. Your God-given destiny, your dreams, your goals, your desires, your prophetic words would sit here. And so if you don't have a prophetic word that sits here, maybe someone's just been prophesying into you about where you're at and what you've been doing and encouraging you, and that's great. But if you don't have a prophetic word that talks a bit about your destiny, makes you sweat a little bit, you can talk to Emily Geller. She'll give you one at the end of the service. But we all need something like that. We all need a prophetic word that makes you feel a bit nervous. Why? Because if it doesn't make you nervous, you can probably do it by yourself. Then it's your destiny. God doesn't want your destiny. He wants your destiny in him. So here's our future. This is where this sits. And then on this side, and I had the stools because I was going to put them up here, but quite frankly, I couldn't be buggered picking them up and bringing them here. Um, so here, we have our past. We all have a past. We all have something that we've come from something we've done. This here, unfortunately, is unchangeable. Hey, what, Mark? Unchangeable. You can't change this. Everything we've done, the decisions we've made, the places we've been, the things we've said, sit in our past. It doesn't change. And what happens is, our present, which is here in the middle, we sit here, and this is the only place that we can actually act, the only place we can decide, do anything. This is still coming. This is malleable, changeable to a certain extent. This is unchangeable. But what happens is, if you can do this yourself, you can do a little health check. How healthy am I? Are you sitting in the present thinking about this, thinking about the past? Because if you are, you're probably not that healthy in a way. And I can say this because I've been there. Because this is unchangeable. You can't change it. And so what happens is we sit here, and our mind is completely occupied with this space, our past. So what happens here? These are all our successes, our victories, our failures, our mistakes. Everything sits here. But if you cannot see where God's hand was on you in this space, it debilitates you, it debilitates you in the present. And it induces a place where you can't actually make decisions because you're constantly thinking about something you can't change. And I want to remind you that actually this morning, every decision you've made, everything you've done, if you look at Romans 8, it's for those who love him, 
all things, I've actually written it down, I'm going to read it to you. Yeah, Romans 8, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So if you love him, there's good in your past. If you haven't met him yet, you can meet him later, you can meet him now, and he can show you the good inside your past. Who have been called according to his purpose. So who's been called? All of us, if you love him, you've all been called. So you sit here. But if we're sitting inside our presence and you realize, actually, you know, I can't make decisions. I'm so induced with fear because I'm worrying about this. You sit here with shame, guilt, and regret. And so what happens with shame, guilt, and regret is because you're looking at your past and you haven't seen any of the value or the victory that God's put there. You see, I, mentioned, I started it off by saying, what are you carrying in your backpack when you carry into the nations, into your neighbors, into your people, your workplace, wherever it may be? What are you pulling out of your backpack? So we've all been given a powerful story called your testimony that you get to share to everyone and anyone around you in your space. So as we go to these nations and people and influence and, the, and we get put into these spa- in, in the places to, to speak, to talk, to act, what we have is a testimony to share. And if you don't think you have any value or victory in your testimony, you're just going to be sitting with shame, guilt, and regret. It's because the greatest enemy of your testimony is regret. And what God wants to do, so if this is your past over here, I'm supposed to have a stool, so this is a chair of your past, his presence has been behind it all the time. And all we need to realize is actually ask him to show us the space over here, to show us where his hand was. Because when we start to see his hand inside our testimony, instead of failures, fears, and mistakes, we start to mold a story, our story, our history. And what he wants is he wants our history with his story. Because our history with his story gives you power to act in the presence which will define the future that you're going into. Cool, eh? So it's in our past, it's his presence. So we need to find value and victory over here. So if you don't have any value or victory here, you can't do anything over there because you're constantly thinking about this. And over here in the presence, God wants you to be mobile. He wants you to be here. And this is a very interesting place because like I said, this is where you can act from. This is the only place you can really make a decision. This is still coming. That's already done. This is it. Right here, right now, today, in this moment, after church, where are you going? What are you doing? So TikTok, who's on TikTok? Don't be shy. Louise is on TikTok. Great. That's amazing. So TikTok, interesting thought here. TikTok overtook YouTube uh, last year for the amount of hours watched. Do you know what the average user, Louise? Do you know what the average user on TikTok spends? Three hours, 24 hours a month. Eh? Three full working days. That's what the average user on TikTok spends watching clips. I think TikTok limits you to three-minute clips. That's a lot of three-minute clips. But what the enemy actually wants you here is he wants you distracted. He doesn't want you present. He wants you distracted. He wants you worrying about everything else. So there's these things, TikTok, YouTube. I did this thing for myself because I'm talking from a place of I'm still on a journey because God bless YouTube. It's really funny. And there's awesome things on there. And I'm not, say, I'm not saying that TikTok is from the devil. I'm not saying that. YouTube is not from the devil. But if it's an idol in your life, it is, quite frankly. And so I worked it out. The average salary in South Africa sits at about 24,000 rand a month. If you work it out, that's what the average person is earning in our country. I know you drive around and you think, flip, some people are earning a lot more than that and some people are earning a lot less. But let's call it for this sake, 24,000 rand. 
If you spend 30 minutes a day on YouTube or TikTok, 30 minutes a day, the average person spends a lot more, as I've just told you. It works out to be three and a half hours a week, 168 hours a year. Not much that is. It's 16,800 rand a year that we're wasting. You see, if I stand here and I say we're wasting time, you think, oh, but I enjoy YouTube. But as soon as I bring it down to money, you think, hmm. Hey, Torbs, if I told you at the end of the year, if you didn't look at YouTube once, but I'd give you 16,800 rand, but you'd delete YouTube in five seconds. 100%. So it shows you how much time we're actually wasting here. When God wants you present, and it's, it's incredibly sad. You go to coffee shops, you go wherever to restaurants, and you sit, people will be on their phones and their devices. And again, I'm not saying phones and devices are from the devil. I run a technology company. I'm on my phone a lot. But what happens is we forget about the person next to us. If you just lift up your head, you look at the person next to you who's actually crying out for an encounter from God. Crying out for something that he can't get himself, but the Lord's empowered you to deposit into her life, his life, their life. But we're so distracted and we can't act. Or we're sitting here and we're so preoccupied with our regrets and our shame and our despair because we haven't seen the value and the victory that God's placed in your story. So we don't know what to do. We go to the nations, we don't know what to do. Someone comes up to you and says, I don't know what, I don't know. And we need to realize that actually the only way we can accomplish anything in our presence is with his power. So if our past is defined by his presence, our present is defined by his power. The only way we can do it is with the Holy Spirit. And so we can sit here all day long and you can hear a great message by me, by Paul, by whoever, and you can go home and, I do it all the time. You can ask me, what happened? who preached what last week? I don't know. Why? Because all that happens is it sits in our head knowledge. But unless we actually have a God power encounter, it's not going to settle into a change of what we actually do. So I'm going to sit here, or I'm going to stand here, and I can say to you right now, I've made this change. It was fantastic. I deleted all entertainment off my phone. All entertainment's gone. Netflix, whatever, Show Max, the... Uh, what's it, YouTube, YouTube Kids, all of it gone. And what it, what it helps to do, it helps to actually remind ourselves to not be so distracted. I'm not saying throw away your phones, I'm just saying be wary. Be wary of what's around you. We can get distracted with a whole lot of things. Money is a big distractor. Money is just a tool to help you achieve what you wanna, whatever you want to do. It's like a car. It gets you from point A to point B. That's all it really is. But we can let finances distract us. And it's so interesting. I've watched this before. And I've shared this, this test, well, not this test, me, this story before. But people will come up, Paul, for example, will go to someone and say, Bud, we really need your help today. Can you help us? No, I can't. I don't work here. Don't you have staff to do that? Can't you do this? But on Monday, you'll get up and go to a job that you absolutely hate, work for someone who makes complete fun of you and you despise. But because they give you money at the end of it, you'll do it with a smile on your face. So we'll do it for money, but we won't do it for love. See, that's what happens if you sit here in the present and you're too, still preoccupied for this, or still preoccupied with your regret, your shame, and you haven't seen the value of victory that God's placed in your testimony as you sit over here, and then this looks very murky and blurry, your future. You don't know where you're going to go. What's my purpose? It's probably the most common question throughout all humanity. Why am I here? Am I here, me, Nicholas, to stand on a stage and speak to you? I don't think so. Why are you here? What is your purpose? See, it's so easy to say, oh, we'll go to the nations, and you can save, and you can go to Mozambique. Paul does trips to Mozambique. Jan's dad goes to Zambia every second weekend, it feels like it, so you're welcome to go to Zambia with him. It's beautiful. I've been there. You can have these, 
these powerful testimonies. I remember I was 16 years old. I was taken with a guy called John Potter. He's in heaven at the moment. Uh, well, forever, I suppose. Um, I went with him. He was, a, he was, he was the first person, actually, to, to spiritually believe in me. He was the first person to sit me down and say, Nick, there's a calling and a destiny in your life. I want you to come with me. He was the first person to do that. And I remember going with him to the largest open-air prison in the middle of, uh, where was it? I think the middle of Zambia. I got the opportunity to speak to 10,000 prisoners who would never see the light of day. It was a very interesting prison because there's no walls. It's just six hours away from anything. So you can't go anywhere. See, if I didn't know what I carried in that moment as a 16-year-old, I'd never know what I was going to say. Never know what I'd be able to speak, preach, share the gospel, what God had done to me. And I was still in a moment, 16 years old, please, I still don't know what I'm doing. 16, I had no clue what I was doing. But I did realize back then that if I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit with me, I'd be completely lost. See, we can talk about Jesus all the time, but unless you experience him, unless you taste and see that he is good, you're not going to go with power. So when you open your backpack in a moment when you decide to not be distracted and look up to the person next to you and the Lord says, minister to them, if you don't realize that your story has value and your presence has power, you're not going to be able to influence them. And the way God has chosen to work is to co-labor through us with Jesus. So the sad thing is this, if you decide not to act in that moment, that person might not ever see eternity. That's the responsibility that we have. No, hectic, eh? Okay. So we need to remember that in our present we have something to give. So if we don't see value or victory here, it's a problem. And that's why there's a beautiful community around you. Look to the person next to you. Look to the person behind you. The guys that come often and will share words, prophetic words, sing songs, whatever it may be. Those are the people you can go and speak to. And I've watched. I've watched someone. Kate Mandela is a beautiful example of this. I've watched her walk a journey of where she sat down at one of our young adults events and shared her story, shared her vulnerability, shared her purpose. And what had happened up until that moment, shame and guilt had kept her from sharing this. This became a cloud. She didn't think there was any power in it. But as soon as she realized where God's hand was in this moment, and I can tell you the guys who were there, it was probably the most powerful preached testimony we've had at our young adults moment. So she saw his presence over here and all of a sudden it turned her story into a testimony. It turned her story into a moment that could help others. And all of a sudden around, this, around the, the young adult space, people were raising their hand, sharing their gifts, sharing their journey. Guys were praying, ministering, people met the Lord for the first time. What a beautiful moment. And if she never did that, those people would never have had that encounter. So that's a, it's a very important thing that we need to remember. See, it's our past, but it's in his presence. When we realize that it's his presence, we have a story and a testimony that we get to share. And if the greatest enemy of your testimony is regret, then I think, for me, the greatest enemy of your future would be fear. So we stand here again, and maybe we've dealt with this, so we know, and quite frankly speaking, we sit here and we're dealing with both at the same time, all the time, and we need a, it's a journey. It's not an instant process. But we can stand here, and if fear, we look into our future, and it's just my destiny. It's going to be full of fear, because it's just me. But if I look into my future of where it stands, and I know that God's called me into a destiny, so it's my destiny in God, all of a sudden, fear has no power. Because what does fear do? It paralyzes you. You can see this out there. 
Fear paralyzes people. They just freeze. What's it? Flight or fright or whatever it is. Most people just freeze. So what happens is here is we stay. We're stuck. And we're so busy worrying. And, and that's why I loved... God is so good, you know, you sit down and you prepare a preach and you think, oh, Lord Almighty, is it actually going to do with anything? But what happens here is if you, have no f- if you have fear in your future, you stand over here, anxiety and depression sets in because you're so worried about something that actually you can only control a small amount of. But when we sit here and we put God into our future, now I'm not saying it, you need to know for certain where you're going or what you're doing. I don't know for certain where I'm going or what I'm doing but I know that God's in it, which gives me the ability and the power then to just step into wherever God is taking me. That's called faith. So if we stand here and fear is still in our future, we need to get rid of it. You know, another thing of our future, what, what keeps us over here is comparison. We sit over here, I do it. Flip that, flip and oh, it was amazing. That preacher, oh my gosh, how am, oh, I'm never gonna do that. Oh my word, that businessman, look at him, driving his new Land Rover, hey? Well, how come he can, has the gift of making money and, da, 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 and I can't and I'm just trying to pay SARS? You know? Or I'm at school. School, and I'm, that, that person is just, why did they just get it? Why did, oh, that was me at school. Everyone else is getting A's, and I wasn't. <laughs> Not for lack of trying. But I can sit in this moment, I can compare myself. What is comparison? Comparison isn't me comparing myself to Heidi. That's not comparison. What comparison really is, is I'm focusing on what God isn't doing instead of what he is. So I'm focusing on what God isn't doing in my life, but I'm focusing on what God is doing in someone else's. And then we sit here and we wonder why our future looks so murky. It's because we're so flippin' worried about everybody else except ourselves. So we can't, oh, thank you. So we can't sit here in this moment. No, we've been called to love others like we love ourselves. So what does that mean? And this has been said many times. It just means you can't love someone else more than you love yourself. So if you don't love yourself, you're going to find it very difficult to love others. So if you're finding it difficult to love other people, you probably need to take a weekend and actually just learn to love yourself. And part of that is, again, seeing the value and the victory in your past, all your mistakes and your things and your drama. You see where you ask God. We're going to, we can ask God to actually show you the moments where he was there, where you think he wasn't. He's going to show you where he was. And then it gives you the power to act over here. <clears throat> see, this is... Out of John. So even Jesus, this is Jesus' prayer. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Isn't that beautiful? I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Not, not Jesus' message, it's your message. It's your story through his. It's in the Bible. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you, have get, that you gave me. So you've got glory. Isn't that good? Pat yourself on the back. You've got glory. That they may be one as we are. If you are fighting with everyone, you are probably don't have the glory and you probably don't have Jesus because over here it says that, we may be, that they may be one as we are. See, the, Jesus and the Father were one. So if we're not in one, we need to have a look and see what's going on and we need to deal with it. Otherwise, you're going to go to the nations or to your neighbor or wherever it may be and you're not going to be seed or salt. You're just going to be a waste of time. <clears throat> I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. How's this? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as, though, even as you have loved me. Then the world will know. So the world's only going to know 
when you realize how powerful you are and that you have something to share. You see, I can stand here as a testimony myself that I was in this moment, I was so worried about all the mistakes that I'd made and I was, I probably struggled more with this. I had no clue what I was doing, where I was going, what was happening. My past was, and this is my personal story, so I probably had a 30% worry with this and a is it 70%? Like I said, school is not a good point for me. The rest of the percentage was I was worrying about the future. But I had people around me in a church culture that came and prophesied into my life, prayed for me, spoke to me, called me out when I wasn't behaving like I should. You see, because if we are part of the priesthood, which we all are, then we need to behave like a priest. We need to behave like Jesus behaved. You see, in your future, that's just your prophetic words your destiny in God. When you don't see God in your future, you become fearful. fearful. Fear paralyzes you in the present, distracts you, and then you start to make plans. And again, I'm not taking away from wisdom. We steward this. We make plans, earthly, humanly plans. I plan for my financial future. I plan for my family. I make decisions. I make good, godly-based decisions. But my life doesn't hinge on that. So I'm not taking away from wisdom, but I, I want to replace you know, Bill Johnson said an amazing thing. Um, you know, your, your friends might, if you, people might look at you and your fear might be construed as wisdom, but you just won't move many mountains. And I get that all the time. People come to me, you know, Nick, the Lord has spoken. He's called me to go here. So I'm just going to pray about it. I'm like, what you're really saying is you're just going to use prayer as an excuse for inaction. And what you're really not doing is being obedient. And I have this. I, had, I was chatting to a mate of mine this week. He was, he was uh, yes, actually speaking on the very thing that I disagree with, but that's how the kingdom works. It's great. We can all get along in this tension. But he was like, no, it's about radical obedience, and we need to listen. When the Lord speaks, we need to just go. And I was like, absolutely. You have children. He's like, yes, I have children. If I ask them to do something and they don't listen, they don't listen. If I ask them, there's no like half obedience. You're either obedient or you're not. So if that's the case, there's no such thing as radical obedience. We either listen or we don't. So when the Lord speaks to you, and I'm just speaking from my first hand, you'll see Joel over here punched Daniel in the face like three times this morning during worship. <laughs> Paul saw it. I'm like, don't do it. And he goes, it's disobedient. But he's learning. He's a baby. He's a process. So I'm not saying, if you're sitting and you're feeling a little bit convicted, that's okay. We've all been there. I'm still in that space. But we're in a community where people can pray for us and move us into a destiny that we've been called to. <clears throat> the next question, and I'm, I'm talking from a a young adult's perspective, because that's just where, where the Lord has kind of focused Jan and I's ministry f for a season. So that's 18 to whatever it may be. I'm still a kid. But the, the common question is, well, what's, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What is it? And I think that's different for every single person. And I can't stand here and say that your calling and your purpose is this. You only, you only know it when you're in it. It's one of those things. You only really figure it out once you stepped inside of it but the idea is this you can sit inside the presence so worried about your calling and your purpose that you don't do anything and what God wants you to do is to build the wall in front of you Jan shared that preach on Nehemiah when all the families came and they started building the different each family built what was in front of them so build what's in front of you so if you are in a job that you don't like doesn't matter build it if you don't have a dream or a calling or a purpose doesn't matter find someone else who does serve them until if, until you figure it out that's how I got it I had no idea what I wanted to do. So what I did is I got plugged in at church. I picked a few people and I said, I'm going to make all my time and effort. I don't know what I'm building. So I'll help you build your thing. That's discipleship. And so in that moment, in that process, God started revealing to me what I wanted to do. 
and the calling that he had put on my life and where we want to be. And it can be look very strange. Jan and I got married 10 or so years ago now. We moved into Durban and we were like, we're going to the nations. We were been in America for two years and we thought, you know, this is it. We're going to go. I love America. God bless the free. I'm going to be there one day again. I wanted to go back. And then what I, I was so, trying to, so busy trying to fulfill what I wanted to do, we almost made it work. We almost went, ended up going to Greece. I, God, thank you, Lord. Because Greece sounds fantastic, but do you want to know why Greece is in a recession? It's because they all just sleep all the time. Greece is a different place. And I didn't go to holiday Greece. I went to like like Greece, Greece. So we went to a place called Thessaloniki, which is Thessalonia, like the whole thing. It's a fascinating place. We actually ministered in a church where 10 meters down was the thing where Paul would have stood and preached in the book of Thessalonians. Magnificent place. But we try to make all these things happen. And we sit here 10 years down the line going, well, we thought we were going to go. We thought we were going to go to the nations. And I still believe we're going to go to the nations, hopefully sooner rather than later. I don't want to be... How old are you, Paul? No, <laughs> I don't want to be, that's a joke. I love the spooners. <laughs> so I, I just want to make sure that in this space right now, we're at Glenridge. We live in Morningside, my kids are at We Friends. That's where God's placed me. So I'm building as if I'm here forever, but I'm ready to go tomorrow. So people look at you and they're like, oh, that's crazy. And I tried to buy a house the other day. It didn't work out. But people are like, why are you buying a house? Isn't the, aren't you going to go somewhere? I'm like, yeah, I am, but then I'll just flip and sell it, hopefully. You know, so the idea is I'm going to dig deep here. I'm going to live as if I'm never going anywhere, but I'm ready to go tomorrow. And when you, when you settle that in your heart, it doesn't matter if you stay here forever. It doesn't matter if you go because your calling or purpose isn't linked to where you are. Your calling and purpose is linked to your relationship with him. There are so many people right here. Remember the whole distraction thing? Walking around, there's so many people that if you just lift your head up, you can, have an, people, you can lead someone to a love encounter with the king. And we get so distracted with our own stuff that we forget. See, fear invokes comparison. The focus of comparison isn't actually in someone else. What you're really doing is focusing on what God isn't doing in your life instead of what he is. So we need to remind ourselves. So what is God doing in your life? This is an interesting thing. Here's your homework. I never did homework. It's probably why I didn't do well at school. But here's your homework. Go home and write down what God is doing in your life. What is he doing? Oh, but Nick, you don't know. I'm in, I'm in the wilderness. Well, don't worry. The poor Israelites are in the wilderness for 40 years. Ask him what he's doing in your life in that moment. It could, you could be going through intense financial pressure right now because everything seems to just be, I was going to say a bad word, but upside, everything seems to be upside down. Everything seems to be tanking. What's he doing in your life? Where's the focus? Where's God's hand? What is he doing? Because if we focus on what he isn't doing, we're going to start looking at other people. And what that other person is really doing is just focusing on what God is doing in their life. And so they're following the favor that God's placed on them. And that's another little tool that we can walk away with today is, where's the favor of God in your life? This happens all the time. Uh, people will come and say, you know, Nick, I just want to preach the gospel. Wonderful. Well, then preach the gospel. Oh, yeah, Sunday morning. Okay, great. Cool. Maybe, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't. I don't know, it's not my decision. Talk to Stan, you know? But that's what they want to do. And they're so focused on, one, on, on a particular way that, the Lord, that they feel the Lord is doing, but they're actually missing what God is doing in every other area of their life. We get so, con so stuck on what we want, and that is called pride. We let pride walk into, into the door. So we sit here in our presence, 
who open the door and pride comes in when things are going right. And all of a sudden we think, oh, I've got this. I know it's a beautiful thing. I, was, I mentioned a few, to a few people that it, I'm you know, preaching, I'm very nervous, you know, help me. And so the, the people I spoke to all told me they're worse preachers. <laughs> like, thanks. Even at the prayer meeting over there, Paul stands and he prays. He's like, may not a false word be said. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what does that mean? <clears throat> so if you don't know what you're called to do, you don't know what you want to do. It's very simple. Matthew 8 says this. I think it's Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely have you received, freely have you give. That's it. If you don't know what to do, do that. In other words, pray for people. Lift up your head, look at the person next to you, ask God with the power of the Holy Spirit in the presence to minister to that person next to you. You want to go to the nations? Start stewarding what the Lord is doing in your life right here, right now, and then you'll go to the nations. It's an amazing thing. So you don't know what you want to do. Don't know. Start there. Just simply pray for people. So we can stand here, and this is in closing. I don't know how much time we're supposed to do this thing for. Um, but we've got our past over here and our future. So if we stand in the present, we can say, well, Jesus died for our past, but then he rose again for our future. And so often we can focus on him dying for our past, but we forget that he rose for your future. Or you remember that he rose for your future, you forget that he died for your past. And what happens is we stand over here and we pull between two things that, quite frankly, we have nothing to do with. And the Lord just wants you to be present for the person next to you. And then one day we will die. And all of this just becomes legacy. We will. We just will. All of us here are going to die. We have two things in common. We'll all go to the bathroom and we'll all die. (laughs) So one day, our past, our present, and our future will all just become something in in a memory. You know, there's our phone memories when you go on and you can, they show you the pictures. It's quite cool. They're invoking an emotion of memory. It's beautiful. But one day all of this just becomes a legacy. And, so what, and then what it is, really, it just gets put into the ground for someone else's foundation to be built on. And you with the king in glory. So it doesn't matter. You're in glory. The next, next generation can figure it out. That's their journey to take. So it all becomes legacy. But all of this actually means absolutely nothing unless you've met Jesus for the first time. And so if you're sitting here, and it's probably going to be embarrassing, and ah, quite frankly, I don't care because I did it, and if I can do it, you do it, because I'm not different to anybody else. I make mistakes, lots of them. I get embarrassed all the time because I say stupid things. But if you're sitting here this morning, and you're going, well, I don't know how to deal with this because there's no value or victory because I've, I've never met Jesus for the first time. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand now. Not afterwards, not come to me not whatever. If you want to meet Jesus for the first time, just raise your hand. I did it. I did it in a room bigger than this. So there's nothing to be afraid of and I'm not going to force anyone into it. If you don't want to raise your hand, it's fine. But there's a moment here right now where you can meet Jesus. See, that's what fear will do sometimes. Stop you from walking into your destiny. Just going to give it a couple more seconds. If there's no one here, it's fine. Okay. There we go. Beautiful. Can I ask someone to go and pray? For, can I ask one of the leaders to go and, and, and pray for that man over there? Brandon, he's just uh, about halfway up there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chantal. Thank you. God bless you, man. Are there more? There we go. Thanks, Louise.
So I'm doing it on purpose. I'm not asking people to come forward on purpose. Why? Because it's not me to lead people into the kingdom. It's actually all of us. We can all do it. My hands are no different to your hands. I'm no more blessed, no more. I may be more favored. <laughs> Even Jesus grew with favor in man, so that's what I want to do. And then there's another group of people that are sitting here, and you've looked in your past, and you've realized, hang on a second, I've got no value of victory in my past, so I don't have a testimony, so I have nothing I can take. If that's you, can you raise your hands? Hold on, Rich. Yeah, some guys over there. Gary, can you go pray for Rich, bro? And maybe Malcolm and the guys, there's a, there's a chap over there. Oh, Louise also, someone can. If there's a hand next to you, stop being distracted and go and lay hands on those people. We're going to pray. And all your, your prayer over here is quite simple. It's, Lord, we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to show us inside their story where your presence was. That's all it is. And then there's a group of people that sit over here in your future because you have no idea where you're going. Because you've been worried about your destiny and you haven't put God in it. So there's still fear here and it's paralyzed you there. So if this is you inside this place in the future and you don't know where you're going, you're very confused and it's debilitating. I'm not saying you don't, it's uncertain. I'm not talking about uncertainty. I'm talking about God's not in your future. So there's, there's, there's an unhealthy fear that sits here. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand too. There you go. Wonderful. Guys, please, if, please look around and go pray for those people. There's, over, there's some guys over there. Mark, you can go and pray. For, there's a chap at the back, bro. Um, if, if no one's there around you coming to pray, just keep your hand up. Someone will come and, and pray with you. We're not doing it here because it's not about a moment with Josh on the guitar and ushering in the presence. The presence is always here. Wonderful. So we thank you, Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your guidance day in and day out. We thank you, Lord, that we can't do this without you. We ask right now, Jesus, that you would minister to these people, that you show them the value and the victory in their past so that their testimony can become a valuable, powerful story that takes them into a God-given purpose and destiny that you have planned for us. We thank you, Father. Amen.